Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy. Hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. Uh, another fine day in the studios here with my good friend Johnny Palmer. Yeah, it's a beautiful day. It's pouring buckets. Yeah, you, you've gotten your aggressions out. You punched a hole through the wall <laughs> at the brewery. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I helped make more space for Jamil yes. in his beer. Yes, we, uh, we hacked a big hole in the wall. and yeah. <sighs> I cut I nearly doubled our space. Yeah, yeah I got cut. I bled. I, I, I tell you, you know when I'm doing construction because there's blood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know or when I'm scratching my nutsack or you know yeah, or doing construction. Like Either way, there's blood. Yeah, that's just how it works with me. If Jamil has his hand in, I'm it. a bleeder. Yeah. <laughs> Is that why your uh, first flagship beer was a red ale? Yes. Little yeah. Jamil blood in there. Oh yeah. You know, it's like, well, what do we do? There's a lot of blood in here. It's getting kind of red. Well, red ale. So yeah, every time I, that's why I look a little pale after we brew twin. It's like, I mean, we got to keep it the same. People enjoyed it. You would have made a great doctor in like the 1850s. <laughs> Bleed them. Yes. Bleed them. Of course. And I enjoy leeches, so, uh, you know, there you or go. at least putting them on other people. <laughs> right. Oh, I love, the, love the feel of a good leech. Love the feel of a good leech. Yeah. Speaking of which, um, we've got uh, a wonderful guest here. That's we do. Join yeah. us. And, uh, we're going to talk about uh, water and brewing cities. I know, you know we've talked a lot about water, but we talked a lot about uh, brewing cities. Uh, you know, great cities like uh, Indianapolis, where yeah. our fine sponsor, Blickman Engineering, is <laughs> located. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where, uh, you know, world-famous Indianapolis water. They, uh, you it's, know, a, it's a fine water source. Right. And it must be the water that makes the people of Blickman Engineering so brilliant that they make such innovative and unusual, uh, you know, brewing equipment. So uh, if you want to see what the Indianapolis water has hath created, um, and maybe it's just all the chemicals and water, I don't, I don't know. Uh, check go out. over to uh, BlickmanEngineering.com, Blickman with two N's, engineering.com, and uh, check out all the cool stuff they have. Uh, tell them uh, how much you appreciate that they uh, pay for this show so you don't have to. And keep uh, John and I uh, gainfully employed and off the streets. That's right. Yeah. All right. So, uh, why don't you introduce our, our, yeah, our fine guest today? We have another fight, another fine Indian night. I'm not sure how you say that, Martin. Sorry. This is. Uh, Want to welcome Martin Brungard to the show. Uh, many of you may, may have uh, read his articles in Zymergy Magazine. Um, he also was the tech, one of the tech editors in on the Water Book, and uh, one of the. One of the uh, water gurus I go to, and I have questions. So, uh, welcome to the program, Martin. Thank you, John. How are you guys doing? We're doing real well. Well, good to hear you. Although, uh, 
Jamil, I'll, I'll tell you that uh, John Blickman is up the road here in West Lafayette. Uh, mm-hmm. So, but it's I've not got that plenty far. Of their... Same water? Would the water eh, be the same? Lafayette, uh, you know. It's all snow melt from the cow fields, right? Oh, <laughs> yes, sure. <laughs> and needless to say, I've got plenty of Blickman equipment in my brewery, so it's it's good stuff. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna we want to talk a bit about uh, classic brewing cities um, in the water book uh, that we or Colin and I talked about um, the uh, dogma of virgin water, and you know everybody. Brewers get, you know, tend to uh, grasp the or you know grab onto the idea that if they want to brew a genuine Guinness Stout, uh, they need to brew with you know Dublin groundwater. If they want to brew a genuine Dortmund or Export, they need to brew with that uh, city's water. And I think what what I was trying to say in the in the water book, and I think what you've done a better job of explaining, Martin, is uh, you know as brewers. We don't necessarily brew with the water as is. We make adjustments to it. Uh, we adapt the water source and our, our recipe to brew, you know, the best beer we can. We don't just brew with things as is generally. Absolutely. And, and the thing is that regardless of your water source, uh, there's it's a rare water that you can actually just take out of the tap or, or out of the well or whatever and brew with it. As is, oh, in in the old old historic brewers, the same way, they they did things to to make sure that the brew the beer ended up the way they wanted. Okay, yeah. Well, should we uh, take a quick break and then we'll come back? We'll dive into the subject a bit more. Sounds okay. good. All right, we'll be back after this. Into the city. It's in ruins. Only one man has the ancient knowledge to restore civilization. Uh, I need a drink. Oh no, the liquor store's been ransacked. You looking for beer, stranger? <laughs> Boy, all the liquor got drunk up in the first 25 minutes of the apocalypse. Wait, there's still some bottles over... Oh, no. Those are non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> I reckon you better stick to arrowroot tea and a desperate nomadic oh, existence like the rest of us. People, I'm a home brewer. I know how to make alcohol. <gasps> oh, it can't be done. Come with me if you want the beer. Okay, I'm going to need some big plastic buckets. He is the chosen one. The prophecies say that he's going to get us wasted. Someone start heating water. And then- From the creators of Northern Brewer, the people who brought you massive selection and superior customer service comes the home brewer. Blickman Engineering. Think innovation, passion, quality, and customer service. Blickman Gear is designed by brewers to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. 
like the Intuitive Beer Gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles, the Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day, the Brewmometer, a brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The Auto Sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. Hey brewers, it's planting season. Have you ever dreamt of walking through your own hop garden? Well, look no further than Woodburn, Oregon and the Crosby Family Hop Farm. Blake Crosby and his family have been passionately growing hops for five generations. And right now, they're taking orders for 2014 Rhizomes for all retail and wholesale customers. The Crosbys know how to grow hops and are here to help you establish your family's very own successful hop garden. In fact, when you plant a hop rhizome from the Crosbys, you're using the same plant your favorite professional brewer bought his hops from. Friendly professional service, fast shipment, and quality hops at competitive prices. The Crosby family brings all of this to you. Call 503-982-5166 or visit bcrosbyhops.com and let Blake Crosby and the Crosby Hop Farm help make your hop garden a reality. bcrosbyhops.com Hops from the Crosby family farm to yours when i order a beer i want my server to know more about it than i do i want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too i want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for any beer style i want a cicerone the cicerone certification program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones, no beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious, Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. All right, BN Army, it's trivia time. What's the only homebrew shop with over 1,000 recipe kits? $4.99 shipping on orders over 100 bucks, and is also home of the Wolf Shirt. The one and only answer is Austin Homebrew Supply. For over 20 years, they've specialized in creating recipes such as the best-selling Texas Blonde Ale, Apocalypso, Hot Bomb 2.0, and Double Chocolate Stout. And they just recently unveiled their small grain kits that produce one gallon of beer. Visit AustinHomebrew.com to browse their extensive catalog of equipment and ingredients. They also have many clone recipes of your favorite commercial beers. They're the exclusive retailer of Brew Vent Yeast Fuel as well, Yeast Nutrient, and the all-new Bodybuilder. Follow Austin Homebrew Supply on Google Plus to participate in video hangouts on popular brewing topics. So visit AustinHomebrew.com today and make sure you sign up for their weekly email with news and specials. Austin Homebrew Supply, AustinHomebrew.com. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. 
All right, we're back. We're talking the waters of Dublin and London today. Uh, and, uh, you know, Martin, one of the things that has always come up to me is, you know, I, I've tasted beers where people say, yeah, just the water exactly like, you know, Burton on Trent, exactly like, you know, Dortmund, exactly like Dublin. And, and the beers were horrible. And, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, why, why did you do that? Maybe, do half that and try that. So I, you know, I'm 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 not that much of a water guy. I'm always like, uh, you know, so often people seem to screw up their water more than they seem to help it. And you know, what is it that they should be taking away from the 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 water of these cities? What 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 is it that they what is it they should they they should information they should get from those cities? And then how should they apply that to their brewing? Well, there's a couple of things. Uh, number one thing is that. Often, uh, those those water uh, profiles that are shown, they include all the uh, alkalinity and all the calcium that the the nat- natural water has. And unfortunately, the brewers of the, those times uh, they typically reduced it through a, a variety of treatment methods to to make the water better suited to brewing. Mm-hmm. So, in something simple uh, that has been around for literally centuries is uh, pre-boiling the water. Uh, if you have a water with a lot of bicarbonate and or, or alkalinity and a lot of calcium, you can just boil that water for you know fifteen minutes or something like that. And typically, if it's full of those those minerals, they'll drop out as chalk in the bottom of the pot. You know, and you let it set for a, an hour or so, and you know the water will clear up, and hey, you've got you've got a nice decarbonated water that has lost all that calcium and in that excess alkalinity, and and of course alkalinity is the one it's that's the real killer for any brewing. If you've got a lot of alkalinity in your water, you're you're going to have a really tough time making anything worth worth a darn. So you know, that, yeah, that's the that's the big step. Yes, yeah, the alkalinity that gives it that chalky, minerally taste usually. Yeah, and then dry. and on top of that, it uh, affects the pH to the point where uh, you know the the wort in the the beer pH are so high that all the flavors are dull and and like your hopping will get really rough. Yeah. So that's that's a big deal. Okay. Well, um, so I guess we'll, we're going to talk about uh, Dublin, Ireland first. Um, sure. What's uh, you know I we've seen and I guess the the popular perception of Dublin water is that it's high in chalk, high in alkalinity. Um, you know what's what's the what's the actual situation here? Uh, with well, the water? <laughs> there's there's actually two stories here. You you've got uh, you know Ireland and, and we can talk and talk about Ireland in general. Uh, Ireland's like a big imperfect donut, uh, where the center of the donut is a great big hunk of limestone, okay. and the the river that feeds through or flows through Dublin just happens to cross you know all that limestone plain there. So the that river, the Liffey River, uh, that flows through Dublin, it is full of chalk, <laughs> full of calcium and alkalinity. And at least half of Dublin does have water that, you know, you've probably seen the typical 
Dublin profile, very high calcium, very high bar carbonate or alkalinity numbers. Well, and, and, and that's great, and, and it's true, but that's not necessarily what uh, the famous brewers are brewing with. Okay. On top of that, uh, just south of Dublin, there's this great big granite, <laughs> a big hunk of granite called the Wicklow Mountains, and the water coming off those mountains is actually what uh, the famous Dublin brewer is, uh, Guinness, uses for their brewing. And that water is only a couple of notches uh, more mineralized than, say, a, a Pilsen water. So there's very little in it. So it's very like little a mountain calcium, spring water, huh? Extremely low alkalinity. Okay. Yeah. So a very pure water, very low very mineral content content yeah and and that applies to a lot of other places around uh ireland too uh the it's like i said the donut and all the brewers or all the famous breweries harp and and beamish and uh uh uh, murphy's and guinness they're all located sort of on that periphery where the water just happens to be relatively soft and very low alkalinity and that makes brewing so much easier okay but yet this is a this is a region that's known for its dark beers Um, exactly so uh how do we how do we account for that well it turns out and, and many of your listeners probably have seen some of the uh uh, information that Gordon Strong has produced uh, in his uh, Brewing Better Beer. And in there, he mentions, you know, you can brew a, a nice stout with RO water, which, of course, has little alkalinity. And what he does is uh, he separates the roast grains from his main mash. He, he does his main mash uh, with the RO water and all that stuff. Okay. And then he waits until the final minutes to add the roast grains that add the color and and also drive the ph down uh and and if you did that if you added all that stuff in the in the front end the mash ph would be so low that the the end the the wart that you would produce would be so fermentable and thin that it it would make just a a really crappy beer whereas if you if you do it the way that Gordon does, and by the way, this this is implying that uh, Guinness and all the rest of the the major stout brewers, Murphy's and, and uh, Beamish, they also employ this uh, to avoid an overly low mash pH, and then they just add that. In Guinness's case, they have a separate steeping of their their roast barley in that water in in, in a separate pot. And then they just blend that into the regular wort uh, after the mash. So right prior to fermentation, then. Yep. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So they're so even though they've got a high alkalinity groundwater that conceivably could balance the uh, the dark malts that used in stouts, instead they uh, mash the pale malts separately and steep the dark grains separately, and then combine them. Uh, just before fermentation. Correct. And and the thing is, this is for for dry stouts. Okay. Other other stouts 
um, you know, a sweet stout or a, um, you know, a Russian imperial stout or those guys, uh-huh. they actually benefit from having a, a softer, smoother roast character. And there, uh, then it's, it's actually very important to, to utilize a higher alkalinity water, like, like the perception is, oh, you know, okay. Okay. so when you get, uh, look at the Dublin water, and it's got a lot of alkalinity, and yeah, it should be good for for brewing uh, a stout. Well, yes, it is good for brewing a a stout other than a dry stout because the dry stout relies on that that sharp acidic uh, tinge to it, and okay. they get it naturally because they have so little alkalinity in their brewing water at Guinness. Okay, interesting. All right. Well, then that's. Uh, uh, how would um, uh, would the I guess you know for these other stout styles, um, what um, what levels of alkalinity are we talking that would be more appropriate you know for this for this method? Um, well, and of course it varies depending upon the grist. Okay. And you know. So really, more, it probably comes more down to a resultant mash pH then. As correct. Opposed, yeah. And whereas with a dry stout, you know, Guinness is probably shooting for a mash pH or a resulting kettle wort pH down in the very low 5 range. Okay. You know, like a 5.0, 5.1, something like that. Whereas... Uh, I and, and many other brewers have found that for uh, these other roasty stout styles uh, that are not dry stouts, uh, aiming for a kettle wort pH that's a little bit higher, maybe a 5.5, 5.6, the, the roastiness becomes so much smoother and and much more pleasant, uh, less acrid. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it's, you know, you, you adjust things to, to create that. Interesting. Okay. Let's do this. Let's take another short break, and when we come back, we'll we'll go more into uh, water in Dublin and London right after this. A few things happened 30 years ago. ARPANET migrated to TCPIP, and the Internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that HopTech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns. HopTech doesn't fuck around. Real people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to navigate. Or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch Jade and brewing brother Roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you. So visit the site or visit the store in Dublin, California and support those that support you. Get your brewing on at HopTech.com. 
Hey, dude, you know what beer this is? Oh, uh, no, all the labels are falling off. Yeah, or the ink is run. Well, if it's the pale ale, you're good, but stay away from the quote-unquote Belgian. Oh, man, this guy needs to get some grog tags. Grog tags are reusable, write-on, wipe-off, commercial-grade bottle labels for your brew. The guys at Grog Tag are homebrewers. They wanted great-looking, sturdy labels for your bottles, buckets, carboys, kegs, and growlers. They also wanted a label that not only looks good, but can be easily removed and reapplied during bottling without that nasty glue residue being left behind. No residue, water-resistant, and ice chest approved. Grog Tags stay on in water or an ice chest, and they stay legible. Visit grogtag.com to customize your label or coaster from dozens of different templates for free and see how awesome your bottles can look. Ugh, it's that pseudo-Belgian. Yeah, we're getting him some Grog Tags, dude. Grog Tag. At least your beer will look good. Grogtag.com. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanisha, and I want to tell you about my favorite heretic beer, Shallow Grave Porter. I love the rich, malty character of this beer. While full and rich, Shallow Grave has an easy drinking finish that isn't too sweet. I have always loved my homebrew porter recipe, so when it's time to brew Heretic Shallow Grave, I started with that in mind, but I tweaked it with all my latest recipe ideas. Just like in homebrewing, I made sure we used only the finest malts, malts that would produce the ideal flavor for this beer. We used select British malts to get the rich chocolate and caramel flavors that we spared no expense. The result is a beer as dark as a moonless night with hints of vanilla, coffee, and chocolate. Perfect for a cool evening out in the woods. Cheers. I'm beat. Can we find a nice tree to just hang out in for a while? You're beat? I've been swinging through this forest for 50 years, ever since we... Ever since we first escaped from the circus. I know, I know, but there's got to be more to life than exploring this creek and trying to populate the valley by copulating with loose, hairy girls. Marquis, stop. Look! What is that? It looks like a man-made treehouse. With fresh food. And craft beer. Welcome to the Creek Monkey Tap House, boys. Grab a seat. Creek Monkeys drink free. Woohoo! Awesome! The Creek Monkey Tap House in Martinez, California takes their mission of fresh food and beer seriously. They only serve locally raised beef and chicken as well as local sustainable produce. It's better for you and the planet, and it just tastes better. The beer and wine at Creek Monkey Tap House are chosen with the same care for the highest quality and rotate frequently to make each visit an adventure. Swing on into the Creek Monkey Tap House and enjoy a new legend of amazing food, beer, and wine. The Creek Monkey Tap House, online at creekmonkey.com. Like the Lance Armstrong of the beer world. Except for that nut thing. This is Bruce Strong. All right, we're back. Yep. Having a, a wonderful afternoon talking uh, waters of uh, uh, Dublin and London. Yep. All right. So, Even though it's raining cats and dogs outside. Right. You don't want to brew with cats and dogs. No. It's really not the way to go. Yeah, they put up a fuss. <laughs> you make your water uh, catty <laughs> or doggy or whatever it is. All right. Uh, so where were we? Well, um, we were just talking about um, a little bit about uh, what kind of uh, character... Uh, we want in a, a water for brewing stouts, um, and you know we kind of look for the wort pH uh, really uh, rather than 
say, a particular mineral character in the water. Is that correct, Martin? That is correct. Uh, ultimately, it's pH that controls. Okay. Is there any, um, in terms of the other characters of the water, say the sulfate to chloride ratio, is there any um, leaning one way or another we're looking for in a stout, do you think? In well, in, in some respects there is. Uh, in, in one of the things that's most important with regard to... Uh, you know this Dublin stuff. Uh, since we're on on the stout thing, uh, those flavor ions, you know, sodium chloride, sulfate, uh, and magnesium, they're all at pretty low levels. I mean, this when you look at the uh, the waters of the area, there once you get beyond the calcium and the alkalinity, there really isn't much to it. And and when you think about it, okay. Uh, it, it, that makes sense because you know I don't really taste anything from the water. Okay. Uh, it's you know n- nothing like a Burton water where you're you know it's really drying you out or things like that. But um, so very low uh, chlorides and sulfates uh, actually uh, in in most respects the that ratio is yeah kind of it, it, those ions are at such a low level that. The ratio doesn't really matter a whole lot, okay. so it's it's not a big deal. Is the it, bottom line is they're low. Okay. Is it fair to say that for a person brewing a dry stout that they don't want to raise the chloride or sulfate levels? Well, it depends where they started out at, but yeah, more true. than likely they, they're, you know, let's see, the... The water off the Wicklow Mountains that uh, Guinness gets their water from, uh, it's uh, roughly 20 ppm uh, for the chloride and the sulfate. So it's okay. roughly even. Yeah, so it is, and it's low, too. It's Yeah, very low. And for the uh, water in, in Dublin out of the Liffey River, which is used as a, their water source, uh, sulfate's a little bit higher, uh, maybe 55, and the chloride is still only about 20. So really okay. not much. And the sodium in both cases, uh, right around 10 to 15. So, okay. so not, those not much. Okay. Could we use uh, this type of water for any other styles? Well, I, I guess you could. Uh, I, I don't see any reason why you, you, you couldn't. Okay. Um, to yeah. tell you the truth, and as I said, that Wicklow Mountain water that Guinness uses, it's only a couple of steps off of Pilsen water. You could be making a Pilsen with this and, and have a great, great result. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's move on to London. How does London water differ from uh, Dublin? I mean, it's the same kind of region of the world, isn't it? Well, and of course, it's across the whatever the sea in between. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so not to I, not I to really morally to offend our UK though. listeners because yeah. I don't don't remember what the ge- uh, geography is. But uh, London is London is a strange case. Uh, there, it turns out that and I just finished up the research for the London article that you uh, AHA members will see in another month and a half. Okay, uh, it turns out that. London uh, actually has, in essence, two different water sources. So they have this uh, water out of the Thames, uh, Thames River, and it's it's kind of the regular 
it's it's hard and it's alkaline and it's got a bit of sulfate in a very modest chloride uh, level but yeah it's kind of a regular uh, surface water. water kind of thing okay yeah surface water but uh, what a lot of breweries back in the day did in the in the center of London they had wells that went into what they called their chalk aquifer you know chalk as in chalkboard yep um, that mineral uh, it turns out that in London the chalk aquifer uh, instead of being uh, very hard and, and uh, alkaline it, it it's actually full of uh, sodium and chloride too uh-huh. so in in many respects uh, that is probably one of the key differentiators uh, that made London porters uh, world famous was the amount of uh, sodium and chloride in their brewing water and you know, we, we typically talk about keeping sodium well below 40 parts per million. Mm-hmm. Well, for that chalk aquifer, it's it's 100 plus. You know, it's, oh, really? it's a little wow. over 100. So, yeah, it's high, but it's not crazy high. And, and 100 ppm uh, uh, is, is not salty tasting. You'd have to right. get over 250 ppm before you really start getting into the salty taste. So, whereas this... This chalk water has a lot of sodium and chloride in it. It's not that high, you know. Okay. So you you but really it acts can to do it. Kind of accentuate the malt flavors and and bring exactly. out some of those malt flavors. And, and John, I remember when we were uh, working on the water book. You know, you did that experiment experiment with uh, sodium and 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 looking at what it did to the beer. You you were like yeah. uh, spiking a a. A regular beer with it, and yeah, I was spiking a, uh, a Mirror Pond Pale Ale, and the with shoots. Uh, yeah, the shoots Mirror Pond, and I was using uh, sodium bicarbonate and uh, uh, what other and gypsum, um, adding those to. And I, I, you're right, I got up to you know 200, 400 ppm, and it wasn't until I got fairly high uh, that I could really you know taste a metallic character to the water uh, and, and you said you were like 400 ppm or something like that yeah yeah in that case it's which is crazy high yeah crazy yeah. high you, you don't ever want to go there with your brewing water right but like i said this london chalk water uh r- roughly 100 ppm sodium and uh, about you know almost 200 ppm chloride uh-huh uh and, and London porters were revered around the world as being absolutely top-notch, you know, to the point where uh, not only were the, the beers exported, but the entire style was exported. I, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Guinness and Beamish and, and all those guys and, and uh, all the Baltic uh, Port- porters, uh, they, they gamed... Uh, their foothold because they saw what London was doing and you know, they wanted to do the same. They try to copy it. Yeah, you betcha. Yeah, yeah. And in the water book, we uh, we talk about as a general rule not to exceed a hundred ppm of sodium um, to avoid you know metallic flavors. But I think you know we're talking. We tend to be 
speaking from a a lager brewing point of view or a uh, IPA point of view, um, where you know you start to, with high gypsum levels, especially you tend to get some metallic uh, nuances to the flavor. But you know if you've got a different beer style, a different uh, different mineral profile, uh, then you and you know everything in moderation. Uh, you can end up with a nice seasoning of the beer instead. Absolutely. And the thing is, you know, we're talking about a porter, so there's plenty of flavor to hide behind. And here, you know, you're you're accentuating uh, the beer and, as you say, seasoning. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, what do we know about uh, how the, uh, the London uh, brewers... Were, were treating and handling uh, this water. Were they? I mean, they were brewing. They were kind of pulling from two sources. You said did they use both both sources in the production of the porter? Or no, how much do we know about this? It, it it turns out that the the water sources tend to be sort of provincial. So there are areas of London that receive their water from the Thames, and then there are other areas that receive their water from you know, wells and, and so on. And uh, it, it appears that most of the porter breweries uh, were taking their water from, uh, uh, well, actually, the Thames River is, is a tidal river. You know, London's almost at the sea. It's only a, a few, uh, oh, 10 yeah, or 15 right. miles upstream from the, uh, from the North Sea. And back in the old, old days, you know, 1700s or whatever, uh, they actually drew their water directly out of the Thames, you know, right in front of, you know, <laughs> uh, in essence, what is in essence uh, Parliament now in the, uh, you know, Big Ben and all that. And that water, because there was uh, seawater underneath the, the fresh water that was flowing over the top of the seawater, oh, okay. yep. that water was a little bit salty. And, you know, it, it, was reputed to be great porter water. So, for sure, the sodium and the chloride that came from the tidal portion of the Thames River and then also from the the chalk aquifer, the, these wells, dynamite had, stuff. Yeah. And the thing was, you know, it's, it, it does have high alkalinity, or, well, reasonably high alkalinity, Uh and when you combine that with the uh, with a typical porter grist, either starting back in the old days, it was all brown malt. Right. But then back in the I want to say early 1800s, uh, that fella invented uh, black patent malt, right. and then everybody switched over to a little bit of black patent platinum. <laughs> okay, too many beers. Black <laughs> patent malt. With uh, with a pale malt base because pale malt was just uh, much higher extract yield, much better. Yes. Yeah. So it turns out that that chalk water or the London Thames water uh, uh, or tidal Thames water was perfect for brewing a porter. Ended up with a slightly higher pH, you know, in the you know over five point four, probably in the five point five five point. Six range, okay. and like I said, that really smooths out the roasty flavors. So it's a real bonus. So it's it's 
it's not a surprise that they were making dynamite beers. Okay. But then, so so we've got the two different waters, and of course, London is also known for bitters and pale ales, and and actually, uh, London uh, was where uh, India Pale Ales started. Okay. You know, the, the Hodgson Brewery was right there uh, in London, and they just they had a sweetheart deal with uh, whatever the the importer uh, to to India was, and. They created a passable, you know, highly hopped beer that, you know, made the trip. But the thing was that they were dealing with a water that, like I said, was was high in calcium, high in alkalinity. And again, that kind of water is easily pre-treated by pre-boiling it. So they, you know, they undoubtedly they were doing that. Okay. And, and after you pre-boiled it, dropped that alkalinity and the calcium down... Then suddenly, that water was much more suitable for brewing a pale beer, uh, you know, bitters and yeah. in, in uh, English pale ales. So you, you literally have two beers that made London famous, and it turns out that it's because there are two waters in London. I see. <laughs> so uh-huh. there you go. Okay, interesting. Um, should we take another quick break and then? Uh Come back. Sure. We'll be back right after this. And now, Northern Brewer presents What If Homebrewers Ruled the World. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'll follow me, I will lead you into the gallery area. Now, the first piece up for sale today is a Jamil Zinashev original, a bottle of 1997 vintage Evil Twin. Oh, I see. A bidding for this one-of-a-kind piece will start at £7,000. And if you'll continue to follow me, ladies and gentlemen, I can show you a rather abstract piece from Bay Area brewer Justin Crossley. It's a German Doppelbach entitled Justin's Giant Bach. The brewer's notes here indicate that this beer had excellent mouthfeel. That's just a crazy dream, or is it? With Northern Brewer, a thirsty nation can craft its own ale and water for the greater good of mankind. Northern Brewer, the home of superior customer service and the finest selection of home-brewing goods for the future. Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the home-brewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your homebrew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read. Read your way to better homebrew. A vial of White Labs yeast is the key to your best beer. 
When you open a vial of White Labs yeast, you're giving your beer its best chance for a perfect fermentation. In addition to their already incredible variety of yeasts, White Labs is proud to announce WLP 90, San Diego's Super Yeast, now available year-round. WLP 90 is super clean, super fast fermenting, with low esters and has a neutral flavor and aroma profile. It's alcohol tolerant and highly flocculent. For more of the latest White Labs news, click over to whitelabs.com, where you can read reviews of yeast, learn in the lab section, and join the customer club. And if you should find yourself in San Diego, White Labs has a brand new training facility for craft brewers and home brewers alike. Whitelabs.com. Discover yeast, nutrients, enzymes, and more for commercial breweries, home brewers, and homebrew stores. White Labs. It's all in the vial. I'm Jason Harris, the proud owner here at Keystone Homebrew Supply. We're thrilled to be entering our 20th year of supplying this great industry. And to show you, the Brewing Network Army, how much we appreciate your support, we're offering you 10% off your first order on our website, keystonehomebrew.com. Just use coupon code BNARMY at checkout, and I'll get your order out the same day. My goal at Keystone Homebrew Supply has always been to have a complete supply of everything a brewer could want. When you place your order online or when you come into our store, it's our goal to have everything on your list and more. One aspect of KeystoneHomebrew.com that we're really excited about is the ability to fulfill customers' exact grain bills. Do you hate to wait? Keystone Homebrew Supply can get your precious yeast and hops to you within just one day if you live between Connecticut and Virginia and within two days east of the Mississippi. KeystoneHomebrew.com I'm Jason Harris and I approve this message. To the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. Yeah, during the break, Scott and I had a discussion about water. We talked <laughs> about how we like to be out on, on the water, water on boats, and you know, and that's that's our that's our water show. Yeah, well, and they were comparing the size of their boats too. <laughs> Yes. Scott, yeah. Scott's was much bigger and than how, how each of us looks in a bikini. When I asked how big it was, I wasn't talking about your boat. <laughs> oh, yeah, you were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. thought Spe- it was the motion of the ocean. <laughs> Speaking of the motion of the ocean, uh, we have our, our <laughs> fine sponsor, uh, Adam and Eve, adamandeve.com. Check them out uh, for a limited time only if you use the offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L, at adamandeve.com. You get one item at uh, 50% off, and then you're going to get a free extra gift, so essential I can't mention on the air, and then three free adult DVDs of your choosing. You choose from genres such as anal, amateur, big breast, big butt, bisexual, chunky, co-eds, fetish, gay, interactive, POV, lesbian, milfs, etc. And you can also shop from your mobile phone. And you're going to get free shipping on this whole thing. So you buy the one item, 50% off, free extra gift, three free DVDs, and free shipping, all at adamandeve.com. Use the offer code JAMIL, J-A-M-I-L, at adamandeve.com. So, Jamila, you've been you've been talking about this central gift now for years. You would yes. think you'd have gotten over this inhibition of talking, <laughs> talking about, about it. it, right? Right. Yes. Well, yeah, it, I'm still. You know, there's just something. You know, I'm such a a, a shy retiring flower. Ah, uh, uh, and this is special. It's, it's embarrassing for me. Oh, okay. you know, yeah. Martin just wrote me a note on the chat section of Skype saying he can read the categories faster. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. I don't believe him, but he he insists. Go for it, Martin. Knock it out. Mm. <laughs> See, that was so quick. Was it just so sounded fast. like it one sounded little noise. Amazing. That's amazing. Good job. That, that is incredible. I, I got to give it to him. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. So we're talking about the uh, waters of London. Yes. Uh, so, um, well, Martin, what else can you tell us about the uh, London? Or uh, you know, water? what what should people be doing? What's what's their takeaway from this? What should they be targeting for? You know, Dublin. What should they be targeting for London? Say for making a porter. What what are good targets for making a porter? What are good targets for making a bitter? Well, uh, number one. Let, well, let's stick with uh, London for a moment. Uh, in, in the London uh, Pale Ale, you know, the bitter brewing. It turns out that uh, you know that Thames water that's been uh, decarbonated and, and pre-boiled. You know, the sodium is quite low. The magnesium is very low. Uh, sulfate is kind of modest at 70 parts per million. Uh, and then the chloride is around 40. So here, you know, we're, we're high enough that the ratio actually matters. So, okay, you know, 70 to 40, yeah. 70 to 40. And again, the bicarbonate would be low. Uh, in because of the the pre-treatment, the pre-boiling, and f- for anybody uh, starting out with an RO water, you know, it should be an easy one to create because if you're brewing a a bitter or a pale ale, you really wouldn't have to have much uh, bicarbonate at all. So, uh, okay, and calcium uh, around forty ppm, fifty ppm is all you need, and and. For the most part, it's going to be what what was necessary to get that sulfate in there. So, and we'll talk about Burton in a while, but uh, uh, for now, London is like a a mini Burton, and it's a a much softer version of Burton water. Okay, so we're going to talk more about Burton and uh, Bavaria in the next show, uh, in the next hour. And if you're you're listening live, then be sure to stay tuned and, and listen for that show as well. Um, and of course, uh, for the for the porter, I mentioned that you know high sodium and high chloride, but the rest of it, uh, you know, sulfate again is in the eighty ppm range, uh, okay. so it, not too much, but uh, it certainly pales in comparison to the sodium and, and the chloride. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of an interesting uh, 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 contrast to Burton yes. on what we consider be. Pale ale water, Burton pale ale water, much higher levels all around. Uh, London, especially after the after pre-boiling, um, it is generally low levels, and you know, so we're not we're not getting a harsh or a or, or a very firm bitter edge on a right, bitter very the water dry pump. bitter edge. You won't get that with a, a London uh, the water that was intended for pale ales okay. it would be a much and i've brewed uh water or uh, pale ales with water like this london pale uh water mm-hmm. and th- they are very soft still very tasty uh but you know that hard edge from the the severe drying out uh, that you get with a burton water it's not there and and that can be great, especially when you're talking about a a very modest bitter that uh, also has a good malt note to it. This it, it's no wonder why they made great bitters in London. Yeah. So yeah, I guess that Jamil. I mean, in your opinion, you know, of a of a good bitter, a good extra or a special bitter. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a balance of the malt and the hop. Right. Right. Character. You know, people and and people. Get, 
they believe they hear the word bitter and they're thinking, oh, it's you know bitter like a West Coast IPA. No, it's you know bitter relative to something else. You know, it's it's more of a balance. It's more of a you know it is bitter, but it is malty. It is is balanced. It's not nearly as intense and harsh as some of the the beers that we're drinking nowadays in the U.S. It you know it's it, it's complementary versus uh, you know extremely bitter. Yeah, okay, interesting. Interesting. And of, and of course, I don't doubt that uh, many of these uh, bitter brewers in London probably did Burtonize their water to a, a small degree. Sure, but it looks like they wouldn't necessarily have to. Okay, they could make a softer uh, beer. With just using their their tap water that was pre boiled. Okay. Well, and how you know uh, how should one go about adjusting their water to something like this to an ideal uh, you know bitter or an ideal porter? What what's you know uh, they start with their common uh, you know tap water boil it little additions should they be uh, you know, checking the the specs on their water should be starting with RO water. What's what's your recommendation for the home brewer when they want to well, make something like it's this? It's hard to say because different tap waters are very different, mm-hmm. and and some of them can can be adjusted pretty easily, and some are just maybe too darn uh, mineralized to to start with, and. And you really have to like boot them down the street and say, "Okay, we got to get go get some uh, distilled or RO water." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so there isn't a, a hard and fast rule yeah. on, uh, with that respect. Martin, I think I should mention that you have a very good um, brewing water spreadsheet that can help. Yeah, and, and of course, it's it, it takes a little bit of getting used to, and but uh, if you're willing to invest. The ten or fifteen minutes it actually takes to, uh, you know, look at a, look at the instructions and read and understand what the heck it's doing, then you can get there. But if you're, you know, a lot of people like uh, some other simpler software and yeah. and you know whatever suits you. But you know, getting the getting the mash pH closer to a more ideal range, mm-hmm. that's the biggest improvement that anybody can make to their beer okay with regard to water yeah absolutely and in yeah. the the old adage you know if the water tastes good you know it's you can make a great beer with it no there's there's no way uh, <laughs> you can't make every good uh beer great with it you can you might make one or two styles great but otherwise you're going to have to learn to to Adjust work it. with your water mm-hmm. and at least understand how the water and the malts combined to create the pH and the final beer flavor. Absolutely. Yeah. What? Um, I mean, going back to the spreadsheets, I think I think this is one thing where a lot of uh, home brewers and even some craft brewers tend to really get wrapped around the axle in terms of numbers, uh, trying to hit particular numbers, particular water profiles. Um, you know, I think I think. Again, we we want to emphasize that uh, we're looking we're really looking for ballparks in terms of you know in general where is you know the chloride level or the sulfate level or the the alkalinity is it you know when we talk about it being low we're generally we're talking you know less than fifty ppm of right. any one of any one particular mineral um, right 
you you hit it on the head. You know, don't fret about. Oh, I've got to have fifty five. No, if you're somewhere between forty and seventy, you're good. Yeah, <laughs> you're good yeah. enough. You're not going to taste the difference. But uh, you know, you, you can certainly worth uh, targeting. But uh, don't don't obsess. Yeah, and I mean, we have. I have a spreadsheet. You have a spreadsheet. Um, and you know, I get some, I get questions and you probably do too, you know, like, Oh, you know, I'm trying to mimic this water, uh, and my numbers aren't coming in right. Well, uh, you wouldn't, wouldn't you agree? I mean, it's, it's not trying to hit you know a particular number. It's not trying to, trying to get within a range, get within, you know, somewhere close, something that mimics or, or comes close to a character of a water in terms of, uh, the the total amount of alkalinity, the total amount of hardness, uh, sulfate to chloride ratio, and again ballparking it. I mean, um, in terms of uh, in in your opinion, Martin, what's what's uh, a high alkalinity uh, water? Uh, or what you know? What range are we talking about when we talk about high alkalinity water? Well, well, I well, of course, For alkalinity brewing, can yeah. go stratospheric, but when it comes to brewing water. Uh, e- even the darkest of stouts uh, w- would probably only need in the maybe 100 to 140 parts per million uh, alkalinity as calcium carbonate. Yeah. So yeah. that that's really fairly modest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Compared to instance, what you can find in nature. Well, and, and for instance, the, uh, the, the true... Dublin water profile, you know, from from, from the uh, Liffey River, you know, okay. the, the really alkaline stuff, yeah. the, the stuff that Guinness doesn't use. Its, uh, its natural alkalinity is at like a 250 ppm. Okay. So it even even Dublin water is too damn too, alkaline to make a good stout. You'll end up with a that. pH that's... You know, just way too high. Six, you'll, yeah. you'll make a crappy stout with Dublin water, and and Jamil, I'm sure you have commented, "Hey, <laughs> your Dublin water profile that uh, you know whoever you're judging their beer, it came out like shit, right? Because it's right. it's so damn alkaline and it tastes like chalk." I tend not to use those words on the score sheet, well, yeah, but I, uh, yeah, I, I do. Uh, I, I do you tend to that... comment. Yes, yes, and, and and I think your point about uh, you know shooting for you know pH range. I've always said just get the pH right, and then you know brew your beer and get it, you know, get your fermentation right, get all that right, and then start to kind of mess with you know the, uh, the the water profile a little bit. You know, once you can get all the rest of that stuff correct, then. You know the 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 rest, like John's saying, is is seasoning versus right. you know serving somebody raw chicken, you know? right? Right. Yeah. So. And the you know looking at the other end, uh, you know, for a really pale beer, then you're looking at an alkalinity that's actually less than zero. Uh, often, for instance, uh, uh, a really pale beer, uh, starting out with the RO water, you're still going to have to add a little bit of acid uh, just to get the, the mash pH and the beer pH, or wort pH, down to the right level. So, five, functionally, two to five, yeah. the alkalinity is less than zero. Yeah, That is the residual alkalinity, the effect of calcium well, against yeah. alkalinity. 
exactly. Actually, both of them end up less than zero. Mm-hmm. Now, A.J. DeLang will turn over in, uh, in, in bed uh, if I mention, <laughs> you know, because alkal- he's not in his grave yet, uh, if I mention a negative alkalinity. But in fact, the things that we do as brewers, we are we are neutralizing alkalinity to the point where it there there is none. Okay. So we are really zeroing it out. Really zeroing, yes. Okay. Interesting. Well, uh, Scott, do we have any questions in the chat room? No? Okay. Well, we've, we've, uh, we've stupefied people. <laughs> no, hopefully not. Or maybe you've just answered everything so thoroughly. That, like, that's well, probably it. I got nothing. No, then all the emails come later. and They'll be like, well, you know... Um, maybe you could do five more shows about this subject. Yeah, yeah. yeah all right, all right. <laughs> yeah. Now, water is a fascinating subject. And, you know, I, I admit, it's, you know, that's the majority of what beer is, is water. All right. But, uh, you know, sometimes, um, you know, we, we look at information, you know, such as, you know, water from classic cities that has been published all over the place. And then... Yeah. We lose track of what it is we're trying to accomplish or what the brewer might have done in those cities. And so it's, right. it's great to hear this information as to, okay, here's, here's what they were using or most likely using, and here's you know, the result, and this is why it makes a great beer. So don't just blindly go off and say, well, I'm right. going to make this kind of water or that kind of water. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, Gordon Strong termed it best in Brewing Better Beer, you know, creating Alka-Seltzer uh, beer, you know, if you try and duplicate some of those profiles, they're they're so extreme mm-hmm. uh, because pe- uh, brewers don't understand what those old uh, uh, historic brewers had to do to make their water better suited to the beer that they were brewing. Mm-hmm. And let flavor be your guide. If the yeah. beer tastes good, absolutely. And your water's <laughs> profile is fine. If your beer tastes horrible, maybe you want to look at the what you're doing or not doing. And the source of your water. All right. Great show. Uh, if you're listening live, stay tuned. We've got another one coming up, and we're going to talk about the waters of Burton and Bavaria, uh, two of my uh, favorite uh, places in the world. And uh, if you enjoy this show and want to keep seeing uh, or listening to John and I uh, rattle on, um, make sure <laughs> to check out our fine sponsors like BlickmanEngineering.com, Blickman Engineering. Two N's and a G and a couple of other things. Yep. Uh, tell them how much you appreciate that. Visit the Brewing Network store, bring thebrewingnetwork.com slash store. You can buy some uh, How to Brew books. You can buy the water book. You yep. can buy shirts and hats and you can buy all sorts of stuff uh, that they got there. And when you buy that, any profits go to the bottom line of the Brewing Network and help pay for shows like this. So uh, if you enjoy us, go spend your money at the Brewing Network store. Till then, brew strong, everybody. Brew strong. <laughs>